This is Roy Hales with Cortez Currents, which you can also access at CortezCurrents.ca. Tamara McPhail was wearing her paramedics uniform when she met with Cortez Currents over Zoom. She was on call, and the phone could ring at any moment. I often say that I had to get a job to support my farming uh, habits. Because <laughs> farming just don't quite pay. <clears throat> I mean, it pays, in, it pays in a lot of ways, but just in terms of um, the financial things, if you need to send your kids to university or buy a new car or invest in a new wood stove, there's just not a lot of extra at the end of the year. So, yeah, choosing different ways to serve my community in a real way as well. So aside from the money, how are things going at Linnea Farm? This weather is a little bit hard to handle for spring planting. So it's been a little challenging because the spring's getting off to a bit of a slow start. And I always have to remind myself that this time of the year actually takes a long time to pass. But you're all excited to get through the winter. And usually in the winter, it's like, do we grow enough hay? Do I have enough food stores? Do we have enough sawdust to keep the animals cared for? There's always that sort of feeling of anxiety in me because it's such a large system and those animals require a very specific set of care. I can't put the animals out on the field because it's not good for the field. So it's just constantly um, trying to find this balance point. The fact that April started of being cold in March was a relatively cool month with very few um, sunny days just makes you realize you have to make sure you've got enough and then add another 20%. In the last couple of years, we've been trying different ways of of being on the farm. We became members of the Soil Apprenticeship Program, which is Stewards of Irreplaceable Land, and also through the Woofing Avenue. We accepted a set amount of people through those avenues last year and the previous winter. So it feels as we're coming into springtime that we're further ahead than we have been in previous years. Maintaining that farm is a pretty big job. There's a lot of infrastructure and livestock and people. So there's constantly this, you know, after I did uh, grade 10, I homeschooled both my kids for grade 10 math and uh, learning scientific equations. I'm always like, oh my gosh, everything is a scientific equation, like putting brackets here and an exponent there and like changing the variables. So I think we're always just trying to tweak the variables of how to find the right people to live on the farm. And if they are the right people, do they want to farm? Like that's always that balance. Everybody on Cortez is looking for a place to live. There's a lot of housing shortages, but trying to find people that aren't just looking for a place to live, but actively want to farm. Because while it's dynamic and it's day-to-day, farming requires a dedication. And not everybody wants to shovel manure in the barn Unfortunately, all winter, that's what we do. So (laughs) we have some good folks living on the farm. We have some people that are convalescing from some major diseases on the farm. We have a core group of us that work on the farm and a few of us have jobs off the farm. So we're always trying to balance that as well. How is the farm guild going? Yeah, that is like a shining star. I think about 2020 and how fearful everything felt. Who would have ever thought we would be going into a global pandemic and what that would feel like? We had to really evaluate what we were doing and kind of envision like what happens if we can't access our community members. We just had no idea. So the Guild 
while it was birthed in this like, oh my goodness. And we originally called it the Food Security Guild. We just changed it to the Linnea, <clears throat> the Linnea Farm Food Guild. I guess food is all about security, but it's evolved a little bit as the world starts to open up. In 2020, we, we had a few members buying a lot of goods. And then 2021, when things opened up in the summertime again, we had the same membership, but they were spending a little bit less. So then this year, we, we opened up the membership because everybody wanted to join. We, we lost a few members this year, and that's mostly just due to people actually leaving Cortez. I, I love seeing who signed up this year. So we've got 60 members right now. There's no pressure on anybody to purchase a set amount. But I think one of the beautiful parts of it is like order or don't order. If you've got extra friends and family, order more. We produce a set amount. It goes up on the store. When it's done, it's done. So it kind of puts the incentive on the people to sign in early and make sure that they get what they want. It's a traditional CSA mo uh, model, which we've done in the past, we would have small, medium and large or single, double family. And we would harvest like 25 or 35 or whatever the amount of the basket. So we had to make sure we had that quantity and everybody got everything. And we'd invariably have these conversations with people where they're like, but I don't like zucchinis. And it's like, sorry, that's what's coming out of the garden. And I'd encourage people to share. Just go stick a zucchini in somebody else's car. But with a guild, you order what you want. So we have people that even though they grow gardens, they're like, I don't grow certain things. So I want to be able to access fresh cauliflower or basil or what have you. So that's been really great. So we just had our very first guild day. So we had farm produced wool socks, farm produced seeds. Um, the Cortez Island food book, we had all the kitchen goods, the leeks, and then sort of cuts of beef. So once we empty some of our freezers and partner with different farms as close to us as we can get to get other products that we don't produce here so that we have a variety of goods that our guild members can access. Carly and Masaro and Kirsten are going to be running the guild production kitchen this year. So we've got an extra person on staff. And they're busily cooking nutrient-dense take-home meals and ferments and baked goods. So there's going to be a lot of interesting stuff coming out of the kitchen. So it, it's probably going to do a bit of a growth in different ways. All winter, it hasn't been used for very much other than farm. But coming into this time of the year, it'll get used. Um, we host different youth groups like Kids in Action and the teen scene and the homeschool groups come and use it. I don't have what Carly and Kirsten are planning to do in front of me. Definitely two to three times a week with, from what I envision them doing, but they probably have bigger plans. So probably five of the seven days it'll be utilized for that. And then we have, we'll have the powerful youth camp coming. So they'll be using it very intensively for two and a half to three weeks. And there's a few other events that are going to be happening and using that space. What about working with a food bank or Meals on Wheels? That stuff is all in the works right now. We have been working with the food bank and some of the Meals on Wheels and the Better at Home program. And so some of those will be happening at, like we'll be utilizing the Linnea Kitchen from time to time. And again, we haven't solidified any of that stuff yet, so I don't have the full details on it but it, it is a certified kitchen the, the pesto that's produced on the farm uh, is produced in our kitchen and it has it goes through the island health um, food regulation guidelines so they're going to be utilizing it a lot for different products and working with different community organizations 
What effect, if any, has rising prices had on the farm? I can't really quite comment on it because our season hasn't fully started, but it's definitely going to impact us. Nyctoferry prices go up, propane prices go up, like our kitchen is run on propane, like the stove and the hot water heater and stuff. We're definitely going to be impacted by it. diesel prices with our tractor and our hay and like hauling animals and, you know, just having to do feed runs and everything. It's definitely going to impact us. How can it not? So yeah, we'll just have to wait and see on that one. At the beginning of this program, you mentioned having to get a job to support your farming habit. How much of an income do you and Adam obtain through Linnea Farm? Well, it's hard to break that sort of piece down into an hourly wage because it's darn right depressing. I think the last time Adam did it, he was making just under seven fifty an hour. I'm always the first one to remind people or to remind him, I'm like, yeah, but look at all the food that we have. Look at the security that we have with the larder full of food. But it's still slightly depressing when that wage hasn't gone up. People believe that food should be cheap. I don't know how many times we've sold this beautiful cauliflower that's, you know, like over two pounds and we're like asking five or six dollars at the market and people are like, that's too expensive. It's hard for us to make people understand what it takes to produce the food unless you've actively done it yourself. You have no idea because food has traditionally been so cheap and it's been brought from so many different avenues that uh, most of the time uh, we no longer know where our food comes from, who has produced that food, what it's taken to get it onto our tables, and it's still three bucks for that cauliflower. So I think that there's inherently some flaws in our food systems period. We see detrimental impacts on our environment on in a continual basis. It's disheartening. And the more that you do it, the better you get at it, you're still making that same kind of wage. I think that that's the, that's the difficult part. Is there anything you would like to add? Anything that I'd like to add? Oh, that's a good question. I could just pontificate for hours on that one, couldn't I? Well, I've always felt that the closer um, we can source our food, the more resilient we are, the more that we can support those people. And it's not just me, it's anybody that's producing food, whether it be the eggs, chicken producers, any kind of vegetables, grains, seafood. The more we know those people in our lives, the more resilient we are as a community. I think that it, it actually builds community. I, I often think about what it would have been like years ago when you had the family farms and the, the butcher and the family baker. We do have a lot of those on our island. We do have a lot of really skilled people. And so I, I would always really encourage people to source as local as possible because the further that food chain goes and the, and the more it stretches and the less resilient and strong it is. This is Roy Hales with Cortez Currents. Goodbye.